Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another um, World at War Comics podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Mr. Fish. If you're not familiar with Mr. Fish, um, he is an amazing artist and writer. Um, over the last five years, he has either written or drawn for about 68 different comic books. So well known within the indie comic scene. Um, I currently went on his TikTok shop and purchased T-Man and Hyper Strike, which is a, an amazing comic. And then The Mighty Caw, um, which is also incredible. Those are two of his uh, three. He also has Green Zone. Um, of his own comics that he has created. And then, of course, he has partnered with several indie comic creators across the U.S. Um, but check out our interview. Incredible interview. Had a blast with him. Um, can't wait for you to enjoy. Please remember, like and subscribe. And remember, as a fan of the podcast, if you love hot sauce, go to cnchilies.com and put in comics at checkout and you will save 15% off all your hot sauces. All right, without further ado, here's Mr. Fish and I. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the World at War Comics podcast. Today, we got a special guest, Mr. Fish Lee. Mr. Fish, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. Man, I am greatly blessed. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to get to talk with you and talk about making comics. It's a it's a good day. It's a good day when you could talk comics in the middle of the afternoon, man. I, I agree. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I uh, came across you on TikTok, um, you know, as uh, as you're following all these different comic publishers, right? I think the algorithm throws, you know, new people in your way once in a while. And, man, I saw some of your art. and like, man, I have to jump on that. So I went directly to your TikTok shop and got a few. Then I saw that you had partnered with Danny who does Ace Blade. And I thought, oh man, that's even cooler. So uh, then I reached out, man, I was glad that you responded and glad to bring you on. Uh, you got quite a, a history um, in comics. I didn't realize you had 60 plus different comics that you've done some uh, art with and your art is fantastic, my friend. Incredible. Man. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am. The, I'm halfway through the second issue of the Mighty Call right now. And that'll nice. be the 68th book that I've worked on in the last almost six years. Like I'm creeping up on six years really quick. And that's just freaking crazy, man. I'm living my dream. It took like <laughs> into my forties to get to do it, but I'm exactly. living my dream. Dude. Exactly. Hey, better uh, late than never, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of start at the beginning. Uh, where did this passion for drawing begin in your life? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to kind of wonder if it wasn't like getting praised in kindergarten for being the best artist in the room. Yeah. But all that literally meant was that I drew the best dragster out of a triangle in two different size circles. And then I started scribbling behind the back circle to make smoke. And then yeah. I put smaller <laughs> circles for hubcaps. And then I put another circle on top and drew a little spot on it to be the visor for a helmet. And that put me leaps and bounds above like the other five-year-olds. Yeah. But that praise that I got then, I was like, oh, I'm good at this. Let's hyperfixate on this for the next 40 <laughs> something years. And that's where it really comes from. Like, yeah, I know my brain works differently than other people's. I have Tourette syndrome and autism and stuff. And, and my brain just works differently. Like some people, some people can't, picture things in their head some people see like a cartoony drawing of an apple if you see say apple some people don't see anything some yeah. people see like a photo of an apple i see 
like a three-dimensional form in my head that I can rotate around and look at from any direction. And like, so that makes it easier when yeah. I'm trying to envision a scene. I can move the whole thing around in my head, move the characters around. So the fact that my brain can do that makes my job a little bit easier. But the rest of it is 40-something years of hard work. I mean, that's 40 years of being locked away in a room drawing all day, you know, sometimes 15, 20 hours a day. Like, that's where the skill really comes from, is yeah. all that practice and repetition. It It's kind of a sore subject to me when people are like, oh, man, I wish I was an artist, man. And like, no, you wish it was easy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if you lock yourself in a room for 20 years, you can do this. Yeah, but yeah. nobody wants to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. Right. I mean, um, I, I think people look at the final product, um, but they don't realize all the work that went into that final product. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a lot, a lot of years of hard work. And, you know, but it's something that I dearly loved. So it was fun for me. You know, it, I had no problem skipping the school dance to stay home and draw comic book characters. I was perfectly <laughs> fine with that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, throughout the years, um, obviously drawing has been a passion. When did comic books become part of that passion? Because you mentioned, you know, maybe drawing a, a race car or a drag car or something like that. When did it become characters and when did you kind of make that connection between art and comic books and telling stories and stuff like that. It's funny. Like it's, it happened at some different stages, but like mm -hmm. falling in love with drawing superheroes and designing my own characters in my own worlds and aliens and spaceships and all that stuff. Like that came so young. Like mm -hmm. I'm talking little fishy with the footy pajamas laying on the floor, watching cartoons on Saturday mornings with a bowl <laughs> of cereal. And I drew so much. My dad was a computer programmer, and he would bring me these reams of that great big wide paper that was all connected like a mile yeah. long, <laughs> and it was all like green stripes on one side, and it would have all kinds of technical dot matrix printing from the oil company he worked for, but the back was perfectly white. So yeah. he would bring me just these reams of used paper, and I would just burn through those things week after week, just knocking out drawings. And like, I remember my mom when I was maybe four or five, teaching me how to draw a superhero. And it was a very simple superhero. And it was the same body every time. But it started with like this little diamond shape for the trunks. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there were two little straight lines for the waist. And then there was a little bit wider for the chest. And, and show me how to draw this really simple, little bit better than a stick man version of a superhero. Yeah, I drew that dude a billion times <laughs> with a billion different costumes and a billion different capes and yeah. masks and just creating character after character. And it was like 1980 something. It was, I think, one of the first episodes of Scooby-Doo and Scrappy when that show came out. Yeah, And one of those first episodes was a comic book creator that was being haunted by his superhero creation that had gone evil. And like <laughs> the blue scarab was terrorizing him and they had to solve the mystery and save the day. And yeah. that switched a flip in my head. And that was the first time I realized you can get paid as an adult to draw. <laughs> like that can be your job. And 
I was done for after that. I didn't know yeah. what it was going to be yet, but I, w- I was going to make a living as an artist one way or another. And yeah, yeah. that was, that just inspired me so much. <laughs> and it was so much cooler than like doing fashion illustrations, which is the only other thing I'd ever seen on TV shows yeah. was people like drawing wedding dresses. And I was like, I guess I could, but I don't yeah. really want to. <laughs> Now, did That's you grow up with comic books too? Did you grow up reading comic books as well? Oh man, yeah. my brother loved comics. Yeah, like, not to the degree that I love them, <laughs> but he bought them all the time. So there was always comic books around. Nice. And like when I was a kid, like if I was good at the doctor or something, you know, my mom would take me to the store when we'd like go get my prescription filled or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd get one of those like plastic packs that had like three or four comics in it. Yeah. And like I still remember vividly my first comic that I loved was an issue of the Hulk. Mm. And like I couldn't even read at the time. So yeah. I had no idea what the bad guy's name was. The cover was long since gone. Um, I lost it years ago, but I finally like looked it up, found out what book it was, and I started searching the cons and I found it like two years ago. And oh, it's one cool. of my prized possessions now. <laughs> and it's like a nothing issue of the Hulk, really, but it was the one that I had that I fell in love with as a kid. It was the first one I carried with me everywhere and I like tried to copy the drawings out of and stuff. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Gotta start somewhere, right? It started you know, it goes with you. So <laughs> that is so cool, man. That is so cool. So and you I mean, grew up in the era of like super friends and the yeah. Hulk was on TV yeah. and Wonder Woman and all of that stuff, you know, yeah. and Batman reruns on TV. And like, I was just, it was everywhere when I everywhere, was yeah. <laughs> all the Saturday morning cartoons and stuff. So like, I could not help but be inspired by it. And then the more I grow up and the more I realize my brain runs so fast and it's so creative, like this was the perfect Avenue to be able to get all those ideas out and tell those stories and show off those drawings. Yeah. So it was my lifelong dream to get to draw comics. And now I'm finally doing it. Now you're doing it. Look at you, man. <laughs> so Mr. Fish, when did you first like professionally uh, Cause you said you're uh, about to hit 68 different comics that you worked on. What was that first comic that you worked on? Well, that depends on what you count because like I've done a lot of like Ashcan comics over the years. Okay. Uh, like my church did a series of little Ashcan comics that we gave out because we did this feeding backpack program for the kids that are on free lunch. So uh-huh. they'd have food to take home for the weekend. Cause a nice. lot of times School's the only place they're getting solid meals. So we would pack these food backpacks and we wanted to put something fun in. And my pastor was like, hey, do you think you could do like a comic or a coloring book or something? I was like, oh, bet. I'll do a comic book. Probably the best comic book ever, right? (laughs) I did like six or eight of these little black and white uh, little like Christian superhero comic books that we gave away in the feeding backpack. And the most touching thing in the world to me was like four or five, six years later, my son's class had me in uh, for like career day one day to talk about like what it's like to be an artist and the kind of things I needed to know from school that I use every day in my business. And there were like five kids in his class that were so excited to meet me because they had collected every single one of those little ash cans. And like, 
that was so freaking touching to me yeah. as a creator. Looking back, they weren't that good. I packed way too much lettering and way too many words on the page and stuff. But And I was knocking most of these out in a week. Yeah. So, like, they weren't the best. But, you know, they were fun and the kids enjoyed them. Um, I've worked as an artist my entire life. Like, I literally started getting paid, like, in junior high drawing kids D&D characters mm -hmm. and in high school I would draw portraits of guys girlfriends so they could give it to them yeah. and uh I even got hired to do a logo for Georgia Pacific for one of the local branches when I was in high school nice. uh design the sign for the high school all kinds of different stuff so like I always made a living as an artist mm -hmm. whether it was working in signs or t-shirts or painting murals or window splashes out in front of businesses um I've carved giant chili dogs i made like 40 something giant fiberglass polar bears that went in dixie cafe restaurants all over the country wow. um all kinds of weird stuff i sculpted <laughs> a guy's golden retrievers for his wife for christmas one <laughs> getting them to look like golden retrievers is easy enough getting yeah. them to look like brother and sister golden retrievers <laughs> and not look like each other like look like that was one of the biggest challenges I've ever had. <laughs> oh, wow. That's hilarious. But, man. Uh, you know, my dream was always to get to tell stories in comics. Yeah. And I tried so hard in high school. Like, I heard Todd McFarlane talking in those videos about how he sent packages out to every editor. So I looked up every editor at Marvel, at DC, at every comic book company publisher i could find all the way down to like black skull press or something that used to exist <laughs> in new jersey and i sent out like i think 60 70 packages a month wow over and over again month after month all through like the last couple of years of high school and then when i graduated and i moved to mississippi and I had to start paying my own postage instead of using the postage machine at my mom's office. <laughs> Ooh, that got a lot harder to send yeah. out 60 packages. So it got cut down to a fewer numbers. Yeah. Um, I wish I had kept the thousands of rejection letters that I got over the years. Cause I had some amazing signatures in there, but I lost them in a move somewhere along yeah. the way. Uh, but I went to college at one point, studied 3D computer graphics and animation, and I got hit up by Black Skull Press that had had a package from me from like years before. And they're like, we want you to move to New Jersey and work for us right now. And I'm like, well, I'm in college. I've got like five months left to go. And they're like, no, you have to come now or never. And I was like, well, forget you. Yeah. I'm fixing to graduate and start doing video games and make a fortune. <laughs> uh, turns out that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but like my whole life i've wanted to do this but like yeah. when i graduated you couldn't send high-res files across the internet like it took forever to get an image across <laughs> the internet yeah. and that was not going to be high resolution it was so hard to connect with other people that were into comics and stuff like if you didn't happen to work with somebody that was into this Right. You weren't going to meet them. Like, it's not yeah. like high school where you're packed with people from all over town and the 10 kids that like comics, like, you know, can group up in the lunchroom. Like, if you don't just happen to run into them, you're not going to meet them. Right. And, you know, the change in the Internet 
and stuff and social media and Facebook groups and stuff where you could suddenly hang out with people from around the world and, you know, share ideas and collaborate on things. And people were willing to start paying for artwork and I could do pinups and variant covers and character drawings and stuff, you know, for a little bit of money here and there to start getting my name out there again was awesome. And the fact that, you know, we've got, digital printers now like kablam that can put out high quality comic books and you can order one or you can order 2000 and it's an affordable deal like if you want to order five copies and take it to your local show and see if you sell it you can afford to do that now. Yeah, yeah like when i tried doing my first comic 20 years ago i did another ash can that i was working really seriously hard on and I took it and I was looking at trying to get it printed by the local uh, newspaper because they printed all kinds of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh, if I can get it on newsprint and it's black and white anyway, that'll bring the price down. They would not touch it unless I could do a print run of $5,000 for $10,000. Wow. And, you know, for a 21-year-old kid, $10,000 might as well have been $10 million. There was no way I could get that. At the time, there wasn't Kickstarters or anything to raise yeah. money to do that kind of print run. Um, but then all of a sudden, the whole world changes, and you can send high resolution files across the world, and you can work with writers from around the world. And you know, I'm getting jobs from people in Canada and the Philippines and Ireland and all over the place. And you can get the books printed cheaply. And there's things like Kickstarter where you can get funding to help get the books produced. And all of a sudden it got really easy. And that just so happened to match up at the point in my life where, you know, I mentioned I have Tourette syndrome and a lot of people don't know that my Tourette syndrome is really pretty severe. I know a lot of people think it's the swearing disease, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of like saying cancer is the disease that makes your hair fall out. Yeah. Well, Some people with cancer get treatments that that happens, but that's not what cancer is. No, I know my mom had it. It makes your hair fall out. That's what it right. is. No, mm-hmm. that's that's a very myopic view of what Tourette's is. Like mm-hmm. 15% of us with Tourette's happen to have a subcondition that might make us yell out inappropriate things called corporalalia. But you can also get that from a brain tumor. You can get that mm-hmm. from head trauma or all kinds of other things. You can get that with Alzheimer's. Right. Like, It can be a part of it, but it's not the whole thing. For Mm -hmm. me, I shook so violently and constantly all the time that I was like trapped in a wheelchair or my bed for 15 years. Mm -hmm. I couldn't walk, talk, or see most days. Like my eyes would be clamped shut. My jaw would be clamped shut. I joke that my kids are fluent in grunt because like for most of their lives, they had to learn how to understand me when all I could say is, yeah. But they would, they knew what I was saying and they knew what I needed. And it made them such compassionate, amazing boys. I'm so proud of them now. They're amazing. That's awesome. Incredible. Um, But so I spent like, I went from being able to do anything I wanted to do, painting murals all over the place, traveling around, doing all kinds of cool things to all of a sudden slam. I'm stuck in a wheelchair, blind, unable to talk most of the time. And that's, how I spent the better part of 15 years just violently thrashing in my bed or my wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And thankfully due to some amazing friends that I made in, you know, like Facebook groups and stuff full of people with I learned 
lots of things I could do to try and manage my Tourette's and try and surf the waves rather than trying to stand in the ocean and fight against the current. Like right. you're going to get overwhelmed. Yeah. But if you learn to surf the waves and let the ticks flow through, then that tick goes through and it's done and we'll wait for the next one to come. When yeah. I tried to fight it, that's when everything built up. And next thing you know, I'm seized up on the floor and I can't yeah. walk and talk. And like, I have given myself so many concussions over the years from mm -hmm. shaking my head so violently that if I shake my head no too hard, I will give myself another concussion. Oh, wow. Like, I have to be actively careful when I imitate, when I start talking about my Tourette's, mm -hmm. that I don't shake my head too hard or I'll be in bed for the next three days with yeah. a concussion again. Wow, wow. But, you know, between learning how to surf the waves, between getting on a really good mix of medicine that worked together and the side effects were manageable mm -hmm. and um, learning the things that I needed to do for myself, like getting enough rest, eating every day, uh, exercising, like these things, staying hydrated all makes my ticks a lot easier. Yeah. Um, managing all that stuff got me to the point to where things started to settle down. And, you know, I'm like, I might could try doing a little work again for a change. Cause yeah. like I couldn't do anything for like 15 years. And a friend of mine was doing a web comic series on his website and and he prints out physical copies of his books and takes them to shows and stuff and he had been asking me for a while to help him out so i was like okay i'll give it a shot and i did two issues of the creature for him at uh severe comics and that showed me hey i can actually do this and mm -hmm. you know and i'm pretty fast at it and by this time like i had moved to working digitally which I can do a lot more work digitally because if my hand's a little shaky, I can adjust the settings on my pen to smooth out that trimmer where I can't do that if I'm using a brush pen. You know, like mm -hmm. if I'm using actual India ink, my hand has to be steady and that's a very small window of the day. If yeah. I'm using a stylus, I can work like 12 hours. Yeah. And so I had started working digitally. I did those couple of books for him. And then I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And that's when I launched T-Man and Hyperstrike on Kickstarter. And like over the next three months after I published that, I spent the next three months just selling books. I was just packing orders, taking new orders, running to the post office. I had no time to do more books because yeah. I was busy shipping books. That's when I realized that the, the publishing aspect is a lot harder than I thought it was. It takes a lot more out of you than I thought it did. Right, right. Now, that's work. Yeah. And so I started doing that, and I was going to go into the next book, but I spent three months shipping packages, and then I started getting offers to do books like The Sentinels for Standard Comics, and I was like, mm -hmm. I could take your money today and put a roof over my kid's head and fill the groceries in the fridge, yeah, I'll do that instead of working for free for myself this month and hope it pays off in the next Kickstarter. Right. Like it right, was a lot yeah. easier to take your money and do your book and let <laughs> you worry about selling it. You have to worry about publishing it. I just get right. to draw cool pictures. And <laughs> so I did that for like five years. And uh -huh. it's amazing. Like I've worked on so many cool books. I mean, the back wall is covered with, and that's not everything. Like yeah, yeah. I've taken some down for filming videos, but even that wall doesn't cover everything that I've done. That's awesome. And 
it's nuts. And now I'm moving over into trying to do more of my own books because like I'm living my dream now. Yeah. But if I could really live the fantasy, like the win the billion dollar lottery fantasy, it would be making that living off of doing just my own stories. Yeah. And I've got like the first issue of Team Man and Hyper Strikes out. I've got the first issue of The Mighty Call that we just yeah. launched. I've got three issues of Green Zone out, uh, source books for both Call and uh, Green Zone. Like, that's seven books of my own that that's I've cool. published in the last year and a half. Wow. And that's really awesome. I've been able to work on just my own projects for like the last three months. And I've I spent probably four or five months of last year working on just my own projects. And now that like my TikTok shop is doing so well, like you bought from, yeah. uh, it's doing so well. I'm probably going to get next month too, that I can work on just my stuff before I have to take somebody else's book to pay. Yeah. The bills. yeah that's so awesome, man. What a rewarding feeling, huh? Oh man. Yeah. It, all that work is just, paying off. And to know that other people enjoy it, you know, yeah, like of course, yeah. the comments I've gotten from Caw have just been, it has just tickled me because it's different <laughs> than a lot of the stuff that I do. And yeah. it's definitely like more violent than yeah. some of the other stuff that I do. For sure, and for sure. just people being like, oh, dude, this is so amazing. <laughs> I'm just so mad that it's over. Like, where's the next issue? I'm like, yeah. I'm working on it, dude. I just, <laughs> just got to ink it. I yeah. I've spent the last week packing orders and shipping them out. <laughs> I haven't worked on my book in a week. <laughs> well, like we talked about earlier, man, these are really nice problems to have. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I could not yeah. be happier. If I'm it's too busy selling hours in the day, right? The next book, yeah. I can I can hire somebody to start packing packages for me. Yeah. Like if I can make, you know, an extra hundred bucks a week, yeah. I can afford to pay my one of my sons uh-huh. to come over here a day a week and just pack stuff and ship stuff and make orders for me and take that off my plate so I can go back to just drawing. Yeah. And that's not a big goal, you know, to get to, to be able to pay him to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Fingers that's crossed. Awesome. Fingers crossed, man. Pulling for you, Mr. Fish pulling for you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, because of the background that you just gave us, uh, pertaining to Tourette's and uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, T-Man and Hyperstrike because my assumption is this is a big passion project because it's so near and dear to you. Uh, maybe we could kind of talk about like when did the design of the characters, the character development start for this comic book? Is this something that's been around for a little while or did you just start putting this all together in the last couple of years? I had the idea and like and the character came out pretty much fully formed, like which yeah. is really sounds kind of cocky, but almost all of them yeah. do. Like yeah. the mighty Caw, you can see in the source book, the very first drawing I drew of him. And it's only nominally different from this one, like just yeah. minor changes, like the size of his hands and the yeah. scars on his body. Yeah. Um, but T-Man was pretty much the same way. At first I drew him like a lot bigger and bulkier and more cartoony. And yeah. then I dropped him down to more of a regular superhero. Yeah. Um, because like, I didn't like what that was going to have to do to the rest of the world to have to make it that cartoony to match him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the idea came to me and 
I got to go back a little bit, though. Sure, yeah, please. Because, like, when I was crippled in a wheelchair and I can't walk, talk, or see, like, sometimes I would only be able to get, like, one eye open, maybe, and maybe I could only move one thumb, which mm-hmm. was enough to work the joystick on my power wheelchair. But, like, I couldn't really communicate with my kids in the room. I couldn't talk with my ex-wife. I couldn't talk on the phone. But I realized on this little device right here, I could communicate with people all over the world. Mm. So I started getting in the Facebook groups and I started, you know, like ministering to the people in there. And I ended up becoming an online Tourette's advocate and like helping people like new parents, especially when they kids just got diagnosed and they feel like the whole world's over. And I'd be like, congratulations, your kid is freaking awesome. He's going to be so creative and have such amazing reflexes. And and he's going to make such a great athlete or musician or actor. He's just, he's going to be so awesome. And yeah, maybe your kid's going to tick a little bit, but that's just our bodies burning off all the extra awesomeness. And it would really (laughs) help them like reframe their attitude about it and quit, quit mourning for all the things they've assumed their kid is going to lose and start focusing on the things that make their kid awesome, you know, and all these things that are special about their kid. Mm -hmm. And so I spent all of my time investing into that phone and into Facebook groups and stuff. And I met so many hundreds of people and really I got to be a blessing to a whole lot of people, which was amazing. But I kept running into the same problem over and over again, where I would meet these adults, whether it was like at Tourette's conferences or online, I would meet adults that, you know, maybe they blink a lot. Maybe they sniff a lot. You know, I met one kid who he was 19 years old. His life was over. He was living in government housing. He was already on disability. He can't get a driver's license. He's never going to be able to get a job. He's never going to be able to get married or have kids or do anything with his life. So what's the point in even going forward? Because he blinks all day. He sniffs a lot. And a couple of times a month, he yells out the F word. Yeah. I'm like, dude, man, what can you not do, man? You can go get a driver's license, man. You can drive. You could work anywhere. I know a hundred places I could get you a job at right now in the back. They don't care how much you cuss in the back of the shop. And I, yeah. I can get you a job. Yeah. Find your girlfriend. Like you could seize the world. Yeah. And I, I didn't like to throw it out there that like, man, I'm literally sitting in a wheelchair talking with one thumb. I've been waiting for four hours for my wife to get home to help get me out of this chair so I can go pee. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got it made. I haven't ate all day because I can't get to the kitchen to feed myself. Right. Like, right. You're living the dream, dude. You could do mm-hmm. anything. But when he got diagnosed and his dad found out that he had an incurable hereditary neurological disease, he decided his kid was broken. Mm. And so he's broken and there's no fixing that. That is a fundamental wow. part of who he is. His identity yeah. is that he is broken and try as I might, I have yet to be able to figure out how to fix that in a grown adult and yeah. convince them that they're not broken when they've got 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of knowing that they are. Yeah. Yeah. But it hit me like if I could get to the kids, if yeah. I could get to them before the world beats them down and tells them what a freak they are and how broken they are, like if I could get to them then, 
and remind them of how awesome they are. Tell them that it's okay to tick loud and proud and be who you are and help them find the hero in themselves that all the things that make them special. Like if we can focus on that, then maybe that will help carry them through, you know, into adulthood. Like I even made these little silicone bracelets when I did the campaign and sent them out with all the original books mm-hmm. to the Kickstarter that say tick loud and proud just so they could have something with them to remind them like when people are picking on them and stuff that, you know, a they're okay. They're special. They can be who they are and their uncle fishy loves them. Yeah. It's and, awesome, man. You know, so it was purely aimed at inspiring the kids and uplifting them. And, the idea just hit me one day of what if, you know, somebody had the combined abilities of everybody in the world with Tourette syndrome. And, you know, in the book, there's like this T force that goes throughout all of us and makes us all special and makes us all so creative and thoughtful and makes us great writers and scientists and comedians and all kinds of things. And that T force is what he's tapped into. It's actually the gem on his belt that I was going to go into in later issues. Uh, that lets him tap into that. And so he's the living embodiment of Tourette syndrome. So he has all of our combined brilliance and creativity and strength and speed and agility and reflexes, which makes him, you know, basically Superman. And then he has all of our combined ticks, which is just kind of funny. And he can scream with a million vocal ticks and knock down giant monsters. And he can vibrate with a billion motor ticks and like, you know, knock a bank vault out of the wall and stuff. And, you know, it was just totally designed to be fun and inspiring. And I wrote the story and it was okay. It wasn't perfect. So I rewrote it and I rewrote it. And the problem I kept having with the book is I kept writing an introduction to the superhero story that, you know, explained who the heroes were and you saw them using their powers and saving the day and, fighting the bad guy and then the bad guy would run off and then I would have to try and fit the story with Mia, the little girl in the story. I'd have Mm. to try and fit that into like four pages. Yeah. And it just wasn't enough time to make you care about this little girl to have that much happen in that short of time. So I realized I need to flip the script and rewrite this book completely. And I made it a story about Mia and T-Man and Hyperstrike are basically side characters in this yeah. first issue. Yeah. But I was like, if I only get one issue out, if they hate it, nobody else wants to buy it. I want it to be something that's going to be inspiring for these kids. Yeah. And I felt that was the best choice for that first story. Yeah. And so, you know, you get a brief introduction to the heroes from the point of view of the villain as he's talking about why they're so powerful and why he can't seem to beat them. Mm -hmm. And, but he's realized if he could tap into the T force, he could make his monsters a hundred times more powerful. So he's going to siphon the T force off of this little girl, Mia. And she's excited because all she knows is that he's going to help get rid of her Tourette's and she's going to get to be normal and nobody's going to pick on her and she's not going to yell stuff out in the middle of class. And that's going to be wonderful. And so he gives her this necklace and it siphons off the power and it makes his monsters way more powerful than he expected. But she also realizes throughout the day that, you know, yeah, she's not ticking, 
but she's also not the smartest girl in math class anymore. She's yeah. not the most creative artist in the class anymore. And her friends are worried about her because like, you're not Mia, you're not all the things that make you awesome. Like, yeah. you know, your spark is gone. And, you know, and she just wanted to be normal. Like, normal sucks. You're cool. Like, yeah. you're awesome the way you are. And so she has to be brave enough with the help and encouragement of T-Man and Hyperstrike to take that power back and find the hero in herself and own her Tourette's and tick loud and proud. And she becomes her own hero. It's freaking amazing. I'm giving myself <laughs> goosebumps just talking about it. That's so cool. Um, the letters I got from kids all over the world. Because yeah. like in that first three months, I sold like 400 issues without even hardly trying. Yeah. Like, I mean... It's for the Tourette's community. If they find something that they could get for their kids, it's about them. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Um, they bought it up like crazy. I got letters and videos and text messages and stuff from kids all over the world. And we would be driving down the road, and I would just suddenly start sobbing. And my ex would think, like, somebody died. And I was like, yeah you know and like i threw in all kinds of ticks like i asked people to you know shout out ticks that their kids had and stuff and i'd put it in the book so like when he screams out with these vocal ticks like there's some of my ticks there's some other yeah. people all kinds of stuff in there the look on these kids faces when i get these videos of them jumping up and down on the couch so excited that their ticks in there and they're really helping t-man and they're in the book and this is awesome Dude, it was yeah. so humbling. Like I knew I, I designed it to be encouraging. Yeah. I did not expect it to have the impact that it had. Mm -hmm. And I'm really looking forward to like that's one of my passion projects. The more I can be able to do my own books, yeah. the more I can do more issues of T-Man and Hyperstrike. Yeah. And like I want to re-release the first issue in color with mm -hmm. Better lettering because like I lettered it designed for like little kids to read mostly. Yeah. And and so it's like big. It takes up a lot of room. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. I want to redo that and re-release it and do issue two and three and four and all the other ones that I've got in my head. But uh, you know, it's all part of the process. You know, I'm Absolutely. trying to make enough money to be able to pay myself to be able to do that because like the mortgage company still wants the mortgage at the first of the month. Funny how that works. Comics, <laughs> so, like, I got to make the money somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I can't think of anything more rewarding in the comic book industry than to have that kind of impact on a group of people that are constantly looking for a positive in their current situation. So congratulations, man. I mean, if that's the only comic you ever did, I mean, this would be just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, I went into it knowing this may be the first and last one I do. Like, you know, yeah. it, it may not go anywhere after this. I didn't expect to get busy full-time doing everybody else's books after that. Yeah, That was yeah. not what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. But, uh, man, if I never did another book of my own after that, I would still be proud of that. And Absolutely. It still holds up. And it's, it's really been touching to me how many people have been ordering it from my shop now. Yeah, because like in my head, it's a five year old book, but you haven't read it until now. Yeah. Like, you just yeah, I just got it, and I just and I I fell in love with uh, how touching it is. And then to hear your story now, it just brings a lot more weight to the comic book than 
I was aware of, to be quite honest, because I didn't mm-hmm. know your story and I didn't know the oh, impact you had on others. There's so much more I want to share. Like, yeah, like in the second issue, he loses control of his powers because he gets overwhelmed with sensory mm-hmm. input from outside, which is something that can happen. And we can go yeah. into tick storms and stuff like like, oh, my God, my daughter scares me all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. Like. She's just this tiny little thing. Like I based Bellamy on her. She's like this tiny, skinny little thing. She's quiet as a mouse, sneaks up behind me all the time. And I don't know she's there. And then she's all like, Hey, do you want anything from Sonic? And I scream (laughs) and start kicking and jerking. And she feels bad and she laughs. And like, I even bought her a collar with a bell on it for Christmas, just so I could freaking know where she is. Yeah. I had to go to the creepy side of Amazon to find that. <laughs> <laughs> wear it. Wear the combat boots and the makeup and the earrings. She won't <laughs> wear that collar so that I can hear her coming. Yeah. But like those things happen. I wanted yeah. to show that and show him having to deal with like feeling bad after losing control and that it's not always easy and really give hyperstrike a chance to get to save the day and be the hero for him and stop the bad guys and encourage him and be like, you know, Hey, just because we messed up one day doesn't mean we give up forever. You know? Yeah. This stinks. We pick ourselves back up and we're going to do better tomorrow and let's go. And, you know, teach those kind of lessons that we all need to learn. And that, you know, it's, it's okay. Some days Tourette's kicks my butt still. There's days that I can't get nothing done. And I just sit in a chair shaking and hurting and watching TV shows I haven't been able to catch up on. And then I don't beat myself up. I just chill out today. And hopefully tomorrow I'll get back to cranking out more pages of call. And that's what we got to do. Wow. Wow. I don't even know where to go after that, <laughs> Mr. Bish. <laughs> I feel like that was probably the most important uh, portion of any uh, podcast I've ever done. So uh, I really appreciate you being so open and sharing your story. And uh, I can't tell you how happy I am to see uh, a comic like this have the impact that it's had. And to your point, right, to be honest, as, as the children going through it, sometimes kids have a strength that as you get older, you just don't have any more, probably because you overthink everything. And so then as a parent, right, the the suffering that they're going through because they don't have that simplistic view on the situation. And for you to come and tell these kind of stories and the power that those kids now have and the strengths that they have because of what they've received. I mean, how rewarding is that, right? And then, like oh, you said, okay. to have children read it and be able to see their own situation in it. Oh, that's, and there's probably not a lot of stuff like that out on the market for uh, young kids with Tourette's like that. There's really not. And, and most of the stuff about Tourette's for kids is usually explaining what Tourette's is to the classroom. You know, like this is the book that we're going to come in and read to the classroom so that you all understand why little little Timmy is yipping and yelping in the back of the class. And those books are important. Like sure. we need yeah. that kind of representation. We need stuff that can help explain that to the other kids. Yeah. But Team in and Hyperstrike is for the kids with Tourette's. I mean, like everybody can enjoy it, but sure. it's for them to encourage them and uplift them. And like yeah. I had to correct some people like during the Kickstarter because people just assumed it was going to be a this is what Tourette's is book. I'm like, right. no, it's yeah. not. Like if you don't know what Tourette's is, well, 
tough. You might have to figure something out along the way. You might have to look it up. But like this is purely for the kids that are going through it, that, that are dealing with this every day, that know what this feels like. And that's what I'm going for. And that's why I'm really hoping to get to do more issues of this because I dearly love it. And I've had some amazing friends in the indie comics world that have characters that I dearly love, yeah. like uh, Eric Bennett as the character Steel Wolf, that is just one of my favorite characters in the indie comics world. And he's appeared in like dozens of different indie comics from all kinds of different creators. And he's one of my best friends. I owe him my whole career. And he was like, absolutely, man. I want you to use Steel Wolf in this. So like Steel yeah. Wolf is going to be in the next issue. Oh, cool. And I'm so excited to get to do that and show this bigger world. And that, you know, and that T-Man's not a superhero in a world full of disabled superheroes. Like yeah. he's a hero in a world full of heroes. You exactly. Know? Yeah. He's, it's not like, you know, oh, here's blind guy and cerebral palsy man. Like, it's yeah. just like... He's a superhero, right? Next to all these other superheroes, and you know, it's not just an important just, message, I think, too, right? Yeah, and mm. you know, we can stand up and do stuff right alongside everybody else. We might Absolutely. have to do it differently. Like, I because of my Tourette's, I the whole reason I'm making my living doing indie comics now is because even though my Tourette's is a little bit better, it's not great, but it's better. Uh, I'm still very limited. Like yeah. I can't walk very far. I can't stand for very long. There's a whole lot of jobs I can't do. Yeah. And all the graphics companies and advertising agencies in the state, like I tried them all. Yeah. Nobody wants to hire a guy that might not be able to drive into work today or might yeah. not be able to talk on the phone tomorrow. Sure. Uh, they didn't want to risk that. So I had to build a career for myself yeah. that could work around my disease and doing comics. Let me do that. Like, I can work on my tablet in my recliner and relax. And the more relaxed I am, the less I tick, like the less signals my brain has to send out to like sit yeah. up straight and all that, the less mixed signals come out with it. Mm -hmm. And so I can kick back in my recliner and work all day long drawing comic books where like I can only stand for like 15 minutes before I'm in so much agony. I can't even hear anymore. All I can hear is ow, 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 ow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't have to be able to talk on the phone because I deal with all my customers and clients through Messenger. Yeah. So like, you know, as long as I got a couple of fingers working, I can communicate. Make it happen. <laughs> if I can get that one hand working and one eye open, I can keep working from yeah. the recliner. And it's great, you know, like, there's a lot of days when my wife gets home and we eat dinner at night. I would like to get up and like install the new mailbox that's been on my to-do list. I finally got that done a couple of weeks ago yeah. or fold some laundry or mow the backyard. And mm -hmm. I'm way too shaky to be able to do any of that. I can't even get into the kitchen to put my dishes up. Yeah. Well, okay. If I can't do those things, at least I can sit here in my recliner, watch TV with my wife and keep working on pages and make more money so that I could pay the rent next month. Yeah. And, you know, I can still give back to my family and be there for them and sure. support them and take care of them, even though I can't do that by climbing ladders and painting murals anymore or yeah. standing at a screen press for 12 hours a day printing T-shirts mm -hmm. or climbing a ladder and installing signs. But by George. 
I can make comic books. <laughs> well, that you can do. And I, I have the proof right in front of me that you can definitely do comic books. Uh, so maybe we could uh, kind of talk a little bit about the the Mighty Caw. Because um, this one was, I mean, I just, I love it, to be quite honest. The art is just sick. And uh, like you said, so it's fun. Oh, it's so much fun to read, too. Um, and how it ended, I can't wait for issue two. Um, but maybe you could kind of talk about where did uh, the mighty call begin? Is this something that's been around for a little while as well? Or is nope. this something that you developed over the last couple of years? Nope, neither one. Neither one. Let's see. Uh, it was like the around the 1st of April. Uh-huh. And like I was having a really bad couple of days. I'd been ticking really bad and I wasn't getting much sleep, which makes me tick more. And I wasn't getting much work done. And so I was going to lay down and take a nap. And sometimes that helps reset my brain and I'll be less ticky when I get up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go lay down. And one of my good buddies is Stephen Butler, who's like famous from working at Marvel on the, mm -hmm. the clone saga and Spider-Man and like the Ben Riley Scarlet Spider, like people love that because of him. He made that famous. And he worked on like Archie and worked on Sonic the Hedgehog and all kinds of stuff. Um, and he's working on some of his own stuff now for Untamed Realms, which is all like barbarian stuff. And so he's sending me all this barbarian artwork and uh, stuff all the time. And we're like roughly the same age. So we grew up on the same stuff and we both draw comics all day for a living. So he'll constantly send me like YouTube videos that he's been watching and like interviews with Jack Kirby or yeah. other greats from back in the day and old cartoons and old films and stuff that we'd watch as a kid. And, you know, cause we dig all the same stuff and I, we send each other our artwork as we're working on it and stuff and just fun dude to hang out with. So he's sending me all these barbarian pictures and then he starts sending me all these links to the old Flash Gordon serials, you know, that would play like on Saturdays at the movie theater. And I'm watching some of them as I'm getting ready to take a nap. And it had like the Hawkman in it. And I was thinking like, man, I have always loved the Hawkman from Flash Gordon. Yeah. You know, like they just, they just so cool. And they're just so, oh, I'm going to attack. And, oh, about the, you know, they were just like these awesome you know, warriors and the wings were so cool. And I was like, and I've always really dug, you know, like winged characters. And I'm like, you know, getting into bed. I was like, I've tried coming up with winged characters a million times. I've never really hit one that I liked. And I was like, really, hawks are overdone. There's a million different hawk guys out there. And even owl guys are pretty much oversaturated at the moment. And I'm starting to drift off to sleep. And I was like, you know, if I was ever going to do a bird guy, I should use my favorite bird, the crow, because I always love the crow because they're just, they're resourceful and they're scary looking and they're brilliant and like, they're just so interesting. And I drift off to sleep. Immediately, I have this image pop in my head of this giant bird barbarian and the name Caw, the crow <laughs> magnon blazing across my brain <laughs> and i jump out of bed laughing like i wake up laughing out of this dream just at the pun because you know yeah. i'm a dad i'm freaking oh i love a choice pun and <laughs> i just think this is the funniest thing in the world and i can see him in my head clear as day and i'm like 
dang it, now I got to get up and draw this. Because if I don't get up and draw it right now, I'm going to forget it. I'm not going to yeah. remember this in, you know, when I get up in an hour. So I get up, I go in the other room, I get my tablet out, and I draw it out. And I draw out the very first picture of Call, which, other than the pants, it's basically the same finished wow. look that he had. His <laughs> scars were a little more asymmetrical. His yeah. hands were a little bit smaller. Uh, and like I said, he didn't have the pants on. But other than that, it was basically a finished product right yeah. out the gate. I spent like the next few days, I tried to change the design. I tried so many variations and alterations and to change things. And like I put him on all fours at one point. So he's a lot <laughs> more like bestial and savage. I took the wings from some angel characters from another book that that fell through and never got made. And I put wings on his feet and on his head and I was like, Oh, that's too much. And so I ended up like honing it down. The only thing I kept from the changes was I ended up enlarging his hands to those giant, massive meat fists. <laughs> and I put the pants on him and he's freaking awesome. He is and awesome. All of a sudden, all of these ideas for his world start springing out of my head and I'm like, well, I really need to get back to the book I'm working on because I was working on Atomic Chimp at the time. And it was a short story, which went in my favor because it's only eight pages. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I can take a minute. So I, I was like, I need to write these ideas down before I lose them. So I open up a Google Doc and I make some bullet points. And I'm like, I'm just going to knock out a couple ideas real quick. I laid out the first like 26 issues. And have them all outlined, ready to go. And I completely wrote like the first two and a half issues scripted out and in like a couple of hours. And I've got all this stuff laid out already. And I was like, oh, crap, that's a lot. I was like, okay, I I need to get back to work. So I I start working on Atomic Champ, but all the ideas of all these characters I just came up with and put in the, the script are bursting out of my brain. So like I start drawing some of them out. And all of a sudden, I've got all these bounty hunters and stuff that are going to show up in a couple of issues. And I do an art stream on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings on like all of my Mr. Fish Comics channels on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. And uh, I used to roll up characters randomly. Like I've got a, I've got a Castle Grayskull dice tower I made up there on the shelf behind me. And I would roll the dice and pick random superpowers off of what we rolled and make up random characters. And one day on the show, I just come up with this idea. I'm telling everybody how excited I am about it. We roll up this character and he had such an unusual group of powers that as I started drawing the character out, designing him, I realized this is the big bad that I've been needing for my story. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute because of his powers, this can also be the big bad that's going to show up in green zone pretty soon because like he's the quantum man. So like he he exists throughout the timeline. So like, it's a funny weird tie in between the two books that a supervillain from like, you know, this generation, a million years in the future ends up being the villain in call down the road. But so he becomes the the quantum king for cause storyline who's gonna show up soon yeah and um all this stuff just starts erupting out of me like a fire hose 
from the time I woke up with the idea to 30 days later, I had the whole first issue finished. I had like the first 26 issues outlined. I had a Teespring store set up with merchandise where people can buy like the Mighty Caw t-shirts and hats and whatnot. I had a Patreon set up so people could back me and people can subscribe on my Patreon and get this stuff sent to them every month. Yeah. And uh, then I got the Kickstarter made and launched like all within 30 days. Wow. This is done. Like from it popped in my head to being done. <laughs> this is a one of a kind thing. Like yeah. Green Zone, I had in my head for 10 years before I actually put it down on paper. Yeah. Ka just sprung out of nothing and will not stop. Like the ideas just keep coming. <laughs> and I just keep jotting them down and adding them to this long list of notes. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully I get to get to do them all. Yeah. But like you said, it's a quick book. Like it's a fast paced book. It's a short book. And I really wanted to, to keep that kind of flash Gordon, you know, serial feel to it. Like, yeah. like the, those short cartoons that used to be in other shows, like, you mm -hmm. know, Bozo's Circus and whatnot, you know, where like you come in, it's like, when we last saw our hero, he was hanging off a cliff. And then, you know, <laughs> bam, bam, action pack, beat the monster, save the girl. Oh no, he's fixing to fall into a volcano. Will he survive? Tune in next time. Like yeah. I really wanted that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. And, and I wanted to keep it at something short enough that I could print them cheaply to get them out to people more affordably. Cause oh, like yeah. this book is definitely cheaper than green zone. Like in my shop, uh, I wanted to be able to get it out quickly, affordably. And like, if I didn't have other stuff to do, like if I didn't have to pack a hundred orders from my TikTok shop, I could knock one of these out a month easy. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I was shooting for. I want to be able to get it out regularly. And if keeping the episodes a little bit shorter helps me do that, I wanted to give it a shot. Yeah. Maybe everyone will hate it. I don't know. But so far, everybody's really been enjoying it. So yeah. I'm going to keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. The one comic I haven't got yet now that I have now I got to pick it up is Green Zone. So maybe you could talk a little bit about Green Zone because I haven't had the chance to take a look at that one yet. Oh, man. Dude, I, I love Green Zone. Green yeah. Zone is an awesome book. It takes place in a world where it's illegal to be born a genome with superpowers. Mm. So if you're born a genome, you automatically lose your citizenship. They shove you into the green zone and forget about you. There's wow. the blocks that people live in that are these gigantic uh, overbuilt ghettos, mm. you know, so like you can't blast through it with your laser vision and you just get forced in here into squalor. And the world forgets about you because you're a supervillain waiting to happen. No mm. good comes from having superpowers unless right. you're one of the handful of professional heroes that people like. But they don't usually look like our boy Virgil, who's an eight foot tall lizard monster looking guy. Yeah, he looks like a terrifying monster. He is the sweetest, kindest soul you could ever possibly meet. He's a very terrified guy. His only real ability is he's scary looking. And when he gets really terrified and his blood pressure shoots up, he sprays blood out of his eyes. Not a great power to have. Yeah. Um, he's just a scared kid in a giant body. And the only thing he wants to do is get out of the green zone, open a little bookstore, hide in the back and read books for the rest of his life, pretending to be anything other than a big scary monster. Mm. And he can't do that unless he gets his citizenship. 
So he has to prove to humanity that he's not a threat by serving the greater good for five years. So if you can make it for five years in the Army, the Navy, the fire department, or in this case, the police force, then you can get your green card and move mm -hmm. out of the green zone. So this scared, timid guy who only has a fear reaction spraying blood out of his eyes and getting dizzy has to risk his life for five years to try and become a cop. And there's nothing he hates more than the cops, yeah. but he hates living in the blocks more. So he's yeah. going to risk his life to try and do it. Uh, one of the other characters in the book, Bellamy, is this like this is the one I based on my daughter. She's mm -hmm. like five foot nothing. She's like 90 pounds. She's just a little slip of a woman, but she's covered in these razor sharp quills all over her body. So if she bumps into somebody on the subway and sticks them, she could go to prison for the rest of her life for unlawful mm -hmm. use of supernatural force. Because if you use your powers without permission, you're done for. Yeah. So she is constantly afraid. Her body language always shows it. She's all, she's uncomfortable in her own skin. She's always looking over her shoulder. She just doesn't know how to deal with people. She doesn't know how to live in this world, but she's tired of this life. She wants to get the life she used to have back. Yeah. And so she's willing to risk it all to become a cop. And she has to figure out how do you take down guys that might be eight foot tall monsters and not, accidentally stick them in the process and go to prison for it. Like right. it's an intimidating thing for a little girl to have to do, but it's her only way to a better life. Hmm. And then you've got characters like uh, Danny Kim here. He's Virgil's training officer. He just looks like a Korean kid. Like he doesn't look like a genome. If he didn't have the green stripes on his uniform to mark him, nobody would know. Mm -hmm. He can walk out of the green zone anytime he wants to. His dad, looks just like him, you know, except he's a lot shorter. Uh, he's a career police officer. He's one of those genomes that believes if I work five times as hard as the human officers and prove that I'm a good officer, I'll break that genetic ceiling someday and I'll get that promotion. And everybody else could too, if they just hitched up their pants and speak, spoke clearly. And you know, he's that type of guy and total company, man, totally sold out to working in the police force. And kind of a little bit hates other genomes, but Danny has grown up outside of the blocks. He grew up in like a mixed high school. He he's had a charmed life. His dad is the boss. He knows he can't get fired you know, unless you like shoot somebody. Yeah. Um, so he's just like, he's just a fun loving goofy dude. That's all like, Hey, how you doing, man? Let's have a good time. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? I bet you're good with the ladies. Aren't you? Like He's just a loud mouth goofy dude, always hitting on the girls, doesn't take his job seriously at all. He is completely unaware that his life is different than Virgil's life, who grew up alone in the blocks, mm. digging for food out of dumpsters. He went to a comfy high school, lived in a comfy house, but he's all like, oh man, I know we're genomes. I got you blood. You know, He has no idea yeah. how different Virgil's life is. And he's completely oblivious to that fact of how privileged his has been. But we get to see all these different levels. There's there's like people in the book that you're going to find out were like late bloomers and didn't look like scary monsters a couple of months ago. And now all of a sudden they do. And so they don't know how to deal with other genomes. They don't they're on they don't know what's going on. And like they're scared of genomes, but they're a scary genome. Why, why do you act like this? How do you yeah, not know man. you look to humans? 
like doesn't know they can't just walk up and tell people what to do like they always have. Yeah. Uh, there's so many different variations. And like, you know, you get to see people coming from all these different walks of life, people that, you know, like one of the guys, Brooks in the book, looks like uh, a purple antelope, like has these giant antlers and stuff. And they bully him in the first issue. The guards are harassing him when they get sent in for random genetic testing because they picked the three scariest people that showed up for work that day. And like, hmm. wow. surely Virgil's not human. He has to be a monster. And yeah. if your genetic makeup gets like more than 49% off a human, then technically you're an animal and you could be put down, you know, like you don't have any rights. Anymore. Oh, wow. You're not even a genome anymore. You're livestock at that point. And when they look at Virgil, they're like, he's an animal. He's not a human. Like when he goes in for random testing, you can see all the scars all over his arm from the millions of tests he's had to go through. Mm -hmm. And when the doc does the test and finds out that like his genetic deviation is smaller than everybody else's in there, he's like, oh, faulty surface samples. That's the problem. And I don't know if you can see it here. He pulls yeah. out this gigantic drill. Oh, to do wow. a sample on Virgil. And like, uh, let's see, where is it? Like, you can see Virgil's poor arm here. It's all yeah. scarred wow. from this stuff. He's been through this a million times. And while they're doing that, the guards are harassing Brooks about his antlers. So like, you're not going to be able to wear your hat with that. You know, are you going to be out of uniform? Are you too good to wear the full uniform? And he's like, well, they told us in the academy they'd make exceptions. Like, oh, so you're better than us, huh? And they pull out a grinder. In the next scene, his antlers are gone. Oh, wow. And then, like, after, you know, after roll call and they get assigned to their training officers, he gets assigned to the laziest training officer in the world that sleeps through his whole shift. He's just one of those dudes that, like, if I write three tickets, they won't fire me, and I'll make yeah. it to five, and I'll get my citizenship. I couldn't care less. And And he's looking at Brooks with his antlers cut off. He's like, why did you let them do that? Didn't they tell you in the academy that they have to make exceptions? Like, you don't have to wear the hat. None of us are wearing the hat. And he's just sitting there with his antlers cut oh, off. Wow. Because the human guards can bully you. Because what are you going to do? Yeah. If you mouth off to them, if you throw a punch, you're going to prison. So, yeah. you know, you really get a feel for how stacked against them the deck is. Yeah. And it just, the first four-issue arc follows their first shift on the force. And you know, by the end of issue one, you see some of our group getting assaulted by human police officers. By the end of the second issue, there has been a major attack and a major catastrophe. The third issue starts with like this gigantic overarching view of the city with a giant fireball crater in it from the attack. And mm -hmm. now, you know, how are they going to react? What are they going to do? This is where everybody really shows what they're made of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and this is like two thirds of the way through the first shift. Oh, like wow. this isn't done with the first shift yet. That's crazy. It's, it's a crazy world that they live in, but there's so much meat on this bone to tell such yeah. juicy stories. Yeah. And much like caught, I've got stories outlined for this thing that could keep me busy for the next 20 years on yeah. green zone. If people like it, we could get this thing to 300 issues, you know, before I die, hopefully. <laughs> but, you know, 
if they don't, that's okay. I gave yeah. him my best shot. I'll scrap it and go to the next story. Right, right. But, yeah. um, well, three in, it seems like it's working, right? It's doing pretty good right now. Good, but worst good. case scenario, if they don't yeah. like Green Zone, if Caught turned out to be a flop and nobody comes back for another issue at T-Man, my fallback is going back to drawing awesome comic books for other people for the rest of my life. That is my childhood freaking dream. Yeah. I'm a winner either way. Like, I've won the lottery. That's yeah, just dude. a matter of, you know, did we win the couple million or did we win the billion? We're just going to find out. <laughs> Wow, Mr. Fish. I mean, that is awesome, man. I'll definitely have to get onto the TikTok shop and get my green zone so I could get started on that story too next. That's awesome, man. Incredible. Yeah, I, Incredible. I'm writing another shipment to the post office in the morning, so there's time to get <laughs> So let, let's talk real quick about how people could find your comics, right? So we, we talked a little bit about the TikTok shop. So if they, if they search uh, Mr. Fish on... Um, TikTok, right? You'll pop up and they could go right to your bio and that's where they could find your TikTok shop, correct? Yep. I'm Mr. Fish Comics across all social media. Awesome. So you can find me on Facebook and TikTok and uh, Instagram and YouTube and Twitch and everywhere. Uh, the TikTok shop is really the best place right now to get yeah. it because TikTok is running all kinds of deals trying to promote the shop. And yeah. sometimes free shipping sometimes it's 30 or 40 percent off your order sometimes yeah. it's free shipping if you order over so much like way better deals than i can offer on my own personal website which sure. is getting revamped to be able to resell all of my books yeah and it'll be up within the month hopefully but the tiktok shop is just a better place to go buy them right yeah now. <laughs> super easy to use very easy to shop on so yeah oh, I, yeah I encourage anybody listening to this to please go uh, follow Mr. Fish Comics. Make sure you get on that TikTok shop and pick up uh, definitely the Mighty Caw. You got T-Man and then you got uh, Green Zone issues one through three. All of those are on there, correct? Oh, yeah. And like issues two and three have several variant covers. Uh, I just dug through some stuff and I found a handful of variant covers left over from the Kickstarter for Caw. So there was like two of one of the covers my buddy Lee Gaston did. There was like five of the painted cover I did. And I think uh, maybe five of the Barbarian homage cover that I did that has like all these Barbarians on it from like the old cartoons and stuff. Like it's got Conan and Red Sonya and He-Man and uh, <laughs> Skeletor and Gru the Barbarian and Cerebus and uh bobby from freaking the DD cartoon like <laughs> everybody is in there even black star is in there from before he-man days yeah and uh there's a couple of copies of that left on there uh there's several variant covers and stuff up there the source books are on there like mm -hmm. the cost source book literally just got to me off the presses like monday i got that oh, shipment wow. in and i've already sold several of those and just shipped them out to the Kickstarter backers and stuff and shipped them out to my Patreon backers because that was this month's book for the mm -hmm. people that subscribed. And next month will hopefully be issue two of Call if I can get it done between shipping <laughs> books. And uh, and then either probably Green Zone or maybe even T-Man after that. Yeah. And 
but I also have a stockpile of books that I've done for other creators that I like have the rights to be able to print up and sell copies of. Yeah. So like if I ever get stuck and I'm too busy, I've got lots of copies of like the Sentinels that I can send out to my subscribers mm -hmm. and stuff. So there's never not going to be a book going out each month. Yeah, but, yeah. So anyway, that's a great place to get in. If you really want to buy in and get them sent to you every month, and it's yeah. a better deal in the long run price wise. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if you want to just check it out, the TikTok shop is absolutely the place to go. Their deals are incredible right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. Fish, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, again, get on that TikTok shop and make sure that you're, uh, you're getting your Mr. Fish comics. I mentioned you did mention on one of your TikToks that you were able to find a few more of the Ace Blade issue yes. one as well, which you did this cover that has your character from Green Zone on with Ace Blade down here. And of course we got the the Mighty Caw, T-Man, and then all the awesome stuff that you just mentioned about Green Zone. So quite to, quite a bit to choose from. You've been a very busy man to say the least. There's a lot on there. You can even get like the sketch covers of Caw and Green Zone. Like if you want to pay the extra money and get yeah. custom artwork on there, I've sold several of those so far. Um, it's... There's lots of cool stuff on there. And yeah, I just found another little stack that was hiding of the ones from Danny. But yeah. like out of the ones I put in the shop, only like two or three of them are signed by Danny too. So okay. if you want both those signatures, you got to get in now because they're going to be gone quick. And <laughs> once they're gone, you just get my signature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Fish, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, really appreciate you. Really appreciate you coming on. And uh, man, I this will go down as one of my favorite podcasts, my friend. Really appreciate you sharing your story and uh, could not be prouder to know someone. Absolutely, man. This has been a lot of fun. It was a great conversation. And I got to say, your toy shelf is impressive. <laughs> yeah, what I have game? a small uh, McFarlane uh, addiction. So I have about 300 uh McFarlane figures and I got my Marvel selects and my Marvel legends down here. And yeah, it's a, a little out of control. My wife reminds me constantly as boxes are being delivered. So <laughs> yeah, I know I'm getting comic books from Kickstarter like every other yeah, day. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. I'm like, look, I had to check it out. You know, it check cool. it out. Yeah. I think all the best stories are coming from uh, indie right now too. So I just love it. I love everything about indie. There's so much cool stuff it from really for cats in outer space to just, <laughs> oh, man, I just, there's no end of awesome stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. All right, Mr. Fish. I hope we could do this again soon. Um, especially as you start to come out with maybe issue two of the mighty call and some of the other stuff or T man, whatever you're working on, you're always welcome on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week, my friend. You too, man. Have a great day. And thanks again for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Take it easy.